0: Okay, after that aborted start, uh, we're all live and good to go, so I'll throw it over to Peter J for this week's Tuesday Night Live. Yeah,
1: Thanks very much, Phoenix. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Live edition of the Adelaide Bigfoot and Crowcast. Great to have you with us this evening, and we've got our usual Tuesday night regulars with us. Uh, Nikki Nui, how are you tonight, Nikki?
2: I'm not too bad.
1: And, of course, we've got the, the technical guru, the technical whiz that puts this show together in Phoenix. How are you tonight, mate?
0: Oh, mate, I haven't got any hair, but it'd be falling out if I did, but that's okay. Doing
1: a great, great job there, as always. We, <laughs> uh, we love your work. And um, look, to kick the show off tonight, we've uh, got a very, very special guest. Uh, the marvels of the internet allow us to uh, the uh, the tentacles of uh, Chesa Night Live to reach all the way over to Cleveland in the United States, and uh, the uh, poster uh, american crow is <laughs> with us. And there we have, uh, thanks, Phoenix, a bit of the Cleveland Browns music. Let it rip.
0: Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it?
1: Beautiful thing,
0: mate. (laughs) Get rid of that. It's breaking up like crazy.
3: (laughs) I appreciate the uh, warm welcome. Uh, And and welcome to the program. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I I assume that we're not going to talk about Johnny Manziel, correct?
2: (laughs) How drunk was he again?
0: Is he in rehab or out of rehab at the moment?
3: I think he's he's living uh, in and out of the nightclubs in Los Angeles, what I understand. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's
2: a quality quarterback you got there.
3: Well, he's gone uh, now.
1: As I said, American Cry, great to have you with us tonight. And um, I guess... One of the, uh, we we're just talking a bit off air, and one of the things, uh, one of the questions that we thought we, we would ask is just um, if you could perhaps talk us through how you uh, came to uh, supporting Adelaide. And uh, we understand, of course, there's a lot of expats around the world that uh, tune in and, and follow the crows, uh, originally from Adelaide or, or, or from Australia somewhere. But of course, you're in a different uh, kettle of fish. You've uh, managed to pick up the game locally there in Cleveland and uh, picked uh, got yourself on the back of the Adelaide Crow. So it'd be great to hear from you as to as to how
3: you got involved with that. Sure. I'd be happy to briefly explain. Um, I'm sure as many people know, ESPN is the major sports carrier over here in the United States. And back when, uh, back in the day when I was a kid, they would occasionally have the VFL then it was, you know, the Victorian teams were on and that made up a large part of their initial sports programming. So it sort of started there in that um, occasionally I would catch a game and, thought it was, you know, the strange, odd thing, but um, certainly knew that you needed to have uh, some talent and ability to play it. So if you fast forward to the mid-90s, it does sort of tie into my fandom with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, The owner at that time, and I'm not going to mention his name because his name doesn't (laughs) deserve to be uh, said, uh, decided to move the team because he was having some financial difficulties of his own. It wasn't a case of of the fans not supporting the team. It was more his personal issues. And when he moved the team, I decided that I was not going to follow the NFL for the three years that we were without a team. So it was about uh, 1995 when that happened. In 1996, I decided that I didn't really like soccer, um, so it was going to be a sport other than soccer. And I remembered watching these ESPN games, and that's how I happened to come upon Uh, the idea to to get interested in Australian rules uh, football. And from there, I was able to uh, just, I I caught a game where Adelaide was on television. And back in those days, it was a little more difficult than it is now. But uh, they were playing at at home, and I just fell in love with the uh, fans, the passion, the team. And obviously, I caught you at a good time. I mean, 96 was right before things got real good, so... In that sense, I was lucky. But that's how I ended up picking up the team. It was sort of to fill the void for those three years. And I just never have left. I mean, I just, I love the game. I love watching um, the team play. And even in the lean years, um, you know, I still enjoy watching it. So that's really how I came, came to File the Crows.
0: So you're what we call a bandwagon, bandwagoner. There. You got on, went, well, got on they, when we were going well. well.
4: No, well, hold in the on, in, in 96, the 96 they
3: weren't exactly lighting it on fire, so no. yeah, yes <laughs> and no. <so. laughs>
2: he, he timed it perfectly, basically.
4: Yeah,
3: I did. Hey, I, I was owed that, right? I mean, all my Cleveland team stinks, so.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad, glad you didn't, uh, didn't jinx us because uh, a Cleveland <laughs> follower following the Crows, that could have destined us to, you know, 50 years of nothing.
3: It could have. So we know that it's not me that God hates, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go on, Nikki.
2: No, there there is actually a link with an NFL team and the Crows, and it's actually my NFL team, which is the Denver Broncos.
4: Well, we don't want to talk about the the Denver Broncos.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who's the Super Bowl champions? Who's the Super Bowl champions? No, but when um, the Crows won, Denver also won back-to-back. Super Bowl titles and what did they do this year?
4: Yes, they so did win well,
3: that's, Yes, I will take that. I, I absolutely will agree with you, Nikki. There.
2: So hopefully that bodes well for our crows.
0: Yeah, well, that's certainly true.
3: the two. Well, and the, the good start to the season is a good sign. So,
0: so in terms of uh, your passion for AFL, how is that? like how do you explain that to your circle of friends and family like do they look at you like you're crazy or
3: uh at first but you know what here's the thing that i found anybody that, that actually watches a game finds it highly entertaining as we know the crows play a, a, an entertaining game the, the 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 way that we uh put points on the board put pressure on the other team there's you know, There's no question that there's continuous action, so they like that. It's just the tough thing for building a huge fan base over here, in my opinion, would be the time difference because some of these games, unfortunately, are 2, 3 o'clock in the morning for me. And yeah. That's probably the biggest hurdle.
0: And how long do you reckon it took you to really pick up the rules to an extent that you could actually follow the game without scratching your head, even though we scratch our head sometimes anyway?
3: It took most of 1996, because back then it wasn't as easy to follow the team. You didn't have these global casts. Um, And and here, uh, Fox Sports actually shows a lot of games live. And the Crows probably play 14, 15 times a year on actual television, so I don't even have to use the stream. And then obviously nowadays you can use the stream for the other games. So it's a lot easier to follow, and, and, you know, once you watch – three, four, five games, you can pick up most of the rules.
2: Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to pick up the rules than trying to pick up the rules in the NFL.
3: I would agree with that. Well, the rules in the NFL keep changing. Well, I guess sort of in the <laughs> AFL they've been <laughs> so changing. So do but not, not to the extent, though, right?
4: No. It's an, and-
1: it's an interesting point you make The uh, the, the NFL rules uh, keep changing there because um, obviously that happens in our game as well. I find it interesting that the, the those are two domestic games then you know I mean even though they obviously they've got a popularity NFL in particular's got popularity around the world they're played locally and um I just wondering if there just seems to be some kind of a um oh geez I don't know inferiority complex there that um because they're basically domestic games that they feel that they've just got to continually tamper with the game to try and make it more appealing
3: well that's a good point you you may you may be onto something there I mean that's that's I think well, we've seen the NFL has tried to expand over into to England. They they have games in London yearly now. I think there was talk now they want sort of sort of like that other team that we won't mention, trying to expand <laughs> into China. So you know, I, I, I think you may be onto something there, Peter. That they uh, that there is sort of that.
2: He's totally one of us now. I,
0: I love the fact that he's got the port hate going on really well. <laughs>
2: It I mean, comes.
3: It comes naturally.
2: <laughs> beautifully done. Now, how old was your son when you started watching? Because you've kind of in, oh, he, indoctrinated him yeah, quite well.
3: Yeah, he's he'll turn eight May first, and um, he's he is a huge Crows fan. He probably knows more Crows players than he knows Browns players. So he he walks around in his Tex Walker. Uh, we call him jerseys here. I know they're they're uh, called differently. That down Guernsey's down there. Guernsey, but yeah, he's he, he does. He knows he knows the rules. He loves the game. He begs me to wake him up at three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes that doesn't always happen, but but yes, he files quite closely.
2: So does he like wear that to school or just around and do his friends? Kind yeah, of make comments.
3: It's cute because every once in a while they're allowed to, to wear uh, football jerseys or guernseys, and um, he wears he wears his Tex Walker gear. So
0: yes, he does. So mate, just going back to what Pete was saying before um, with regards to the rules. I know I picked up NFL um, from watching it over here on Channel Two. Nikki, you'd probably remember back with Don yep. Lane and all that. Um, but I really, the, the only way that I actually really learnt the rules was I actually had an old board game that was a um, like made by some strategy game company, um, and it had all the different plays and the different setups and all the rest of it. Do you feel um, that it's just as difficult for, say, someone like myself to pick up an NFL, uh, pick up the NFL game as it would be for someone in the US to pick up our game?
3: No, I actually think it would be easier to pick up the AFL um, because there's not all the stopping and starting. and the, pen, the penalties are more easily, I know it's funny to say, they're actually more easily defined in the AFL, though certainly that's debatable on occasion. We see guys ducking their heads and, and players getting called for tackling high. But, but on the whole, it'd probably be easier to pick up the AFL game, I think. I think the uh, NFL game, with all stopping and starting and with players coming on and off wholesale after every play, I think it would be probably a little more difficult to pick up our game, uh, the NFL game.
2: I'm, I'm actually – the thing that gets me is that not only do you have an umpire, you also have a referee and you've got judges. It's like couldn't they make up their mind?
3: Well, right, and then they still can't get the call right. So, you know, it's, it's... – it's crazy. There's no doubt about it. That's one thing you know, I noticed.
0: Interesting, Sorry, go on, Scott.
3: The the interesting thing about it, and I had this conversation with my dad, I'm sure you guys have heard that, that concussions are a big deal, uh, especially in the NFL. I know that there's some concern in the AFL, but probably not as much in the NFL. And my dad, who has watched a couple Crows games, has indicated to me that he thinks that that down the road it wouldn't be hard to see, certainly in the West Coast, uh, schools picking up AFL as an alternative to the NFL.
2: That could be very interesting because there already are teams um, that they do have, I think, a couple of leagues around. I know that there's the Austin Crows, and I I think there's like a, a league in L.A. as well. So that could be quite interesting.
3: Well, right. And as more and more parents, you know, I, my son obviously is, is turning eight, and, and I would rather that he not play football, to be quite honest with you. And I wish that he had the opportunity to play uh, something along the lines of Australian rules football, because even though there is the risk of, of injury, obviously, in, in footy, I don't think it's to the degree, uh, certainly that the NFL risk is when you got little kids running around with helmets trying to hit each other. That's really
1: interesting um, that you say that because I I would be interested to know what junior NFL is like there in terms of what they do at certain ages. Now for football here, um, kids at the uh, under seven and under eight um, level, um, there's no tackling allowed at all. So the kids it. Are allowed to sort of you know get up and take their kick. They're not allowed to uh, not allowed to be tackled, or you get a little bit of an incidental bumping, but nothing serious. And so it is really quite a good environment for your kids to get started playing. What's NFL like? AC is it uh, is it non-contact for the
3: little kids? It is for the age group that you're talking about. They start with what's called touch football. So you you sort of tag the kid to be down and then really around the age my son is they're they're going full pads full contact and if you think about it you got kids basically from the time they're 7 8 years old to if they're good enough playing you know through high school into college you're talking about 10 15 years of constantly hitting hitting other people with helmets and pads and i think that is the issue that the NFL is going to have to grapple with because, you know, as a parent, I I just don't think I would let my son go through that. I just don't think I would.
0: It's interesting, too, with the uh, two codes. um, The AFL is really doing everything it possibly can to minimize uh, head contact, um, and it's changed our game in many ways uh, just in terms of uh, how players approach a contest or attack the football, whereas in the NFL... Using your helmet is a technique. It's actually intrinsic in the game, isn't it? And I think that's going to be where the NFL has a big problem because it's going to really change the fabric of the game if they want to take that out.
3: It is. And it's going to be hard to because, you know, talk about changing the nature of the game. Um, probably removing that from the NFL is going to make people, uh, you know, wonder, you know, is this something that, that, that is worth continuing. So, you know, certainly for the next 10, 15 years, I think the NFL will remain, you know, the dominant sport over here, but it will be interesting to see as the next generation comes up, if that hold, you know, if that holds true. And I think that's where, you know, my dad mentioned that a sport like sport, like uh, Aussie rules. I mean, if you think about it, look at the last couple of games we've played, they they've been exciting. They've been entertaining. They've been high scoring. All those things appeal to Americans as well, and I think that if uh, more people were exposed to the sport and to teams like the uh, Crows and to the kind of footy that they play, I, you know, I can eat. It's easy for me to see Cleveland fans rooting for. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> barreling for. <laughs> you, you guys uh, do a There we we're gonna was, go explicit
0: right? now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, slight, cult, slight cultural uh, <laughs> yeah. cultural misunderstanding there.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you could easily see the people in the dog pound barraking for the crows. I, I, I could easily see that, I guess, is my major point.
0: Well, when I tweeted out that uh, you were on tonight, I actually um, hashtag Cleveland Browns, and I noticed that the little Twitter bot at Cleveland uh, retweeted our, um, our tweet. So now we've got how many fans you got, like nine or ten? So we've got another 10 people people that could potentially uh, become AFL fans now. Well, that's good, right? (laughs) (laughs) I like that.
2: Um, I think what would be interesting to you is that the Australian rugby, uh, the New South Wales Rugby Union are working with a researcher and they've actually been putting sensors on the necks of players and what they're doing is actually and it can judge the G-force that's happening in rugby union. And what they've actually found is that it could be a smallest bit of G-force and a player could get a concussion. It's, but uh, another player can have this huge G-force going onto his head and, and not a problem. So, it's. I thought that was quite interesting. And also out of his research is what he's found is that the use of those soft helmets, which you would see on Caleb Daniels um, from the Western Bulldogs, actually does nothing, does not help. It's just a placebo. So I think that would be very interesting for the NFL to um, consider. Um, I know they've got their own little concussion, I think, committee or something, but that's the latest research, which is um, – you're basically saying that helmets actually don't really help.
3: No, no, I think you're exactly right, Nikki, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the big hurdle that, that all these sports, these contact sports have is that our brain, you know, sort of floats inside of our head. So as you pointed out, for some people, a small impact can have a, a big, you know, a, a large effect. And for other people, they can shrug it off. But I, I think it, as I understand it, it's sort of how human beings are built that's sort of the issue, and it's difficult to protect, as you point out.
2: Yeah, and it's difficult to know who's it going to affect and and how badly. So I wonder from that research that they're doing whether they're going to try and figure that out, and then it could be down the track that before you draft players, you might actually be testing them to see how susceptible they are to a concussion.
3: And that's that. You you may be exactly right, and it turns to the bigger issue because at least over here, you know, our parents going to want their children to go through that, especially given that as opposed to uh, sports like Aussie rules, here you got a helmet, and, and as Phoenix pointed out, a lot of coaches still to this day teach them to use that, and you know that's that's a big issue they're going to have to deal with.
1: Guys, we probably um, should have a bit of a chat about the footy. Um, AC, it's absolutely fantastic having you with us. Would you be happy to stay with us for a little bit longer and have a general chat about the footy?
0: Sure, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, Pete, just before Um, we move on to that, I'd just uh, like to ask AC what his uh, favourite all-time moment is watching the Crows and who his current favourite player is.
3: Well, my it's easy on my favorite player. I'm sure I'm I'm with with uh, many people. It's Eddie Betts. I mean, he's just been an amazing player, hasn't he? The last few years.
0: Yeah, unbelievable.
3: So, as far as a favorite moment, well, you know what that is. I mean, I I, I don't know what a championship is until 1997. So
4: that
3: was <laughs> the grand the, the grand final there, the the entire game from beginning to end was was wonderful for me
2: and then you got it again in 1998.
3: Yeah, I did. That was, you know, I almost had a heart attack that year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's a classic bait and switch, mate, because there's been bugger all since.
3: Yeah, that's all right, though. I think, uh, you know, certainly it seems like with this coaching staff, I really like what they've done. And, and I I love the fact that we're putting pressure on these teams. I can't say that enough. I think that's, you know, as the game is, is, is evolving in, in the sport, it seems to me that if you can put pressure on the other team, keep them in their defensive end, put points on the board, that, that helps you out an awful lot. Guys, that's a
1: beautiful segue into having a bit of a chat about the game on Saturday. Um, AC, what, what did you think? Uh, what were your thoughts uh, the game against Richmond? What stuck out to you?
3: Well, first of all, we beat a team that was in black and yellow, and I'm all for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Pittsburgh height is strong in this one.
3: <laughs> yeah. But aside from that, sort of the same thing that I, I, I thought that we, we put a lot of pressure on them, made it difficult for them um, to maintain uh, pressure on our end. I think it just opens everything up. You saw the youngsters were able to run through the middle. Um, it's just a joy to watch when everything's clicking.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly um, really enjoyed our transition play uh, last weekend. Um, there's still some areas, obviously, uh, to improve on. But when we get on song and, and move the ball from our defensive half, um, there's probably no prettier sight in AFL footy at the moment.
2: I thought it was very no, interesting. Um, Hardwick's comment, which was that, he said that once we turned the ball over, he essentially said you should just set up in the centre, ready for the that we the, he just felt that we were immediately going to score and there was nothing he could do to stop it. And it was just like just get back to the centre, get you know don't bother chasing.
1: One of the thing one of the things I wanted to have a chat about tonight was that I was um, I put up a bit of a um, a facetious post in a way about. My uh, my good little friend, the rat, and <laughs> what game he played because obviously his stats were bad. Nikki, I noticed you picked up on a, a little bit of a thread about it. Did any uh, anybody else get that feeling that he had a role on Saturday and that his low possession count might have been counteracted by his pressure acts?
0: I um, I, I thought he looked a little tired, Pete. To be honest with you, I, I made mention of that on Sunday night. Um, it wasn't overly clear to me whether he had a role it's quite possible because his um, his possessions were, were gained in in a very confined space in the ground um, or on the ground i should say um, but I, I do think he looked a little tired and the, the the worrying thing for me with with the rat last weekend is he didn't get many kicks and it's his it's his kicking ability that um, is a real asset to us in in distributing out of the back line and we do need him to kick the ball more
2: So from what I noticed um, watching the game was that in the first half, he was pretty much minding Martin because they were playing Martin more on the outside. The second half they moved Martin to the inside and so he was released. He was, I think, getting to good positions but he wasn't being used and that's what I've noticed on um, a couple of the games that I've seen us play live is that he's still running hard and he's getting positions, but we've got so many other options and we're actually making often the right decision. And if you actually look overall, how many, what was the possession numbers for theirs? They they were nearly 40 possessions for their top. Um, They were in the high 30s or around about there. Our highest was 28 and they are all down. And we've had low possessions because we're actually not doing those little sharp little handles in and, Flicking it around we're making the right decisions we're going long even our handballs are often quite long um and breaking the lines so i think it's very hard now just to look at the hard stats of oh he didn't get so many possessions it's we've we've got to kind of got to pull back on on what's been the standard previously because we are playing a bit differently
0: yeah i i agree with that um to a point uh Certainly Richmond had some high, I think they had uh, three or four players in, in the yeah. mid to high 30s, um, which I think was indicative of them using handball to try and get through our zone. Um, uh, but, you know, Cochin had 30-plus and yet he wasn't very effective. None of his disposals really hurt us that I can remember. Um, you know, even Brandon Ellis, uh, 39 posses, it wasn't. A, it didn't look like a 39 possession game. No. No. Um, so, you, I mean, you're right, uh, Pete. You obviously uh, you're on the rat band. You're on the rat wagon. Uh, well, what I try, were your thoughts?
1: I try, I try to be. I, I did try and be objective, feeling the piece, and I did say, "Look, he probably should be dropped." But no, I thought, "No, I'll, I'll have a. I won't just abandon him. I'll have a bit of a crack at it." The other stat that I think I, I mentioned was his 82% um, time on ground stat. Now, that says to me that he was he was ranked 12 in terms of time on ground. That says to me that someone was happy with what he was doing. Otherwise, yeah. I, I would have thought he would have had a lot less time. on. If he was just wandering around doing nothing, not being involved, not contributing anything, then the, all of all of Knight, uh, McKay and Millera all had, or Millera, all had less time on ground than Rat did um, and could have easily have made up for the fact that, um, uh, that you know, he, he could be replaced and they could have gone and done the job. But So that was just something that occurred to me that I, I thought that, to get 82% time on ground, he must have been doing something
0: right. That's a really good observation. Um, and considering he copped a hit really early on uh, that yeah. set him back on his heels and probably accounted for five minutes on the bench, um, um, that's a really good point, Pete. I hadn't really considered that, but I think you're probably right in retrospect. Um, you know, it's interesting, Donkey Magoo on the chat has just made mention of our relatively average supercoach scores over the weekend, which is indicative of such an even spread of uh, contributors that we've got at the moment.
2: Because I remember early on um, in the week I was on the Richmond board and they were talking about, you know, who was going on, who were matching up on our forward lines. And they kept leaving players out. And at that stage Lynch was still in. And so they were saying, oh, well, such and such is on Betts and such and such is on JJ and such and such is on Walker. And so I'd point out, so who's on Lynch and who's on McGovern and who's on Malera? And then yeah. and Douglas comes down. Who's on Douglas? or the other midfielder, and they're like, oh, well, we'll switch this one over to there. And I was like, yeah, well, so who's on JJ now? And it was like, oh. And I said, well, we don't always have them sitting on the bench. We actually sometimes play JJ, Lynch, McGovern, and Walker. That's four talls in a way, and that really spreads team defences because that's really hard for um, any defence to try and count." And they're all really quite aerobically fit as well.
0: Well, and the, the interesting thing, thing, sorry, um, Nick, just on that. Point,
2: yeah, no,
0: you did. The, the interesting thing on that on that um, is that um, Hank highlighted on Sunday just how much of our score came from our our, our mids and uh, from long range. Um, you know, so our forward setup, I think, was playing quite high. Um, and we didn't rely on contested marking in the forward fifty. We actually, uh, for the game, we only had, I think it was forty six disposals for the whole game inside our forward fifty. It's just remarkable. And, and I think that that's exactly what the coaching staff wants
3: because uh, all all those shots that we had from long range, they were pretty much uncontested. There wasn't really anybody around them when they were when they were making those kicks. I think that's part of the attacking philosophy that it seems that they're trying to instill
0: and certainly Eddie had is the uh, is the ground to do that on with a closed roof um, you know 55 meters is nothing in that stadium
1: there seems that with those um, just going back to those pressure acts as well the other thing I noticed was that there seems to be um, something of a pattern emerging in so far as we have, um, a player each week who just seems to go through the roof on pressure acts. So we had McKay in round one, we had Douglas in round two, we've had Atkins in round three. It's almost as though someone for that particular week has, gets the job of, um, of really, really spending their time harassing the ball carrier and, 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 and away from the clearance. And I remember a couple of times when I was uh, had a, a better view of the Port game times when even though Robbie Gray got the ball and got possession, I can just remember seeing Douglas hassling yeah. and harassing him. And so he got no effective possession. So I'm just wondering is if, you know, is, is is a player each week being nominated to be the, the one that is in and around the clearance. And actually if we lose the clearance, their job is to, you know, place immense pressure on that first position out of the clearance.
0: Well, I don't know, Nikki, you'd probably um, being the observant female that you are, um, I recall at the beginning of the game, I reckon it was first bounce. One of our players, and I couldn't tell whether it was Rat or Millerer, came off Millerer. the back of came off the back of the square and absolutely nailed somebody. And that, Millerer to, yeah,
2: nailed Martin.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's an eighteen year old kid coming off the back of the square and smacking up one of their toughest players. I mean, just insane, really.
2: Yeah. And what, and what that's actually doing, Peter, is it means that we don't have, we don't rely on one player to do that particular job. It seems like the coaching staff is actually testing to see who can and who can't. And it, by spreading that load, again, it makes it hard for opposition teams to counter because they don't know who's going to do that um, from game to game. And it means we can also switch it up within games. For me, what I found very interesting in, and I did highlight it on the board, was there was in the highlights video of the goals, I think it's a minute 59 in, um, and it shows the pressure acts happening. But what it also shows is the way we set up around that pressure act and how we don't get sucked into the contest anymore. Because yeah. remember last year we had like two coming in and that ball would come out. So we had the person who's chasing that tackler and then you had on either side for that outlet where the ball's going to come out, we had a player on each side and I think it was Leonard actually legged it down so he, could, he yeah. came into view. And then you have front and square. You had somebody waiting out the front. The ball did come out. We then flicked it out. Goal.
0: Yeah, we're far but, smarter around the stoppages at the moment.
2: Oh, incredibly! And the change from last year is just so dramatic on on that instance.
0: Probably more so <laughs> from the year before, I reckon.
3: Yes, very yeah. different from and the Sando. And, and it'll be interesting as you know we step up in class a little bit the next two weeks. It'll be interesting to see how that how we fare. Uh, doing those sorts of things. I know I'm curious about it.
0: Mm, very much so. That's a really good point.
2: Yeah, these are definitely two very good tests to see where we're at. Sydney's kind of an interesting one because I think they've only played one team of quality, and that's GWS.
4: Yeah, I
0: thought they'd get found out.
1: Yeah, it just leads on to the, the next games. And maybe, AC, you could lead us off with uh, what your thoughts are on um how the team might shape up Saturday? What changes? Obviously, Tom Lynch needs to come back into that side, and he will. Um, thoughts on um, on how it'll balance out for Saturday?
3: Well, I'm first of all, I'm glad the game's here and not in Sydney. Or well, here being relative, I'm glad it's in Adelaide, not in Sydney. I think that will be beneficial. Um, yeah, I, it, it will be it it's definitely going to be a good test there's no question about that um you said lynch will be back he is going to come back in yeah he'll be back he'll straight back in yep yeah i think that's you know obviously we'll need his experience and and that's going to be helpful who who are they dropping and i didn't i apologize i am a day behind you guys essentially so i, I didn't see who's getting dropped.
2: uh we don't know yet but it'll probably will be night Um, because he's the one who came in for him. For me, the interesting thing is, though, is that he had a small amount of possessions, but in the highlights packages that have been put up, he's doing a lot of that linking work, and there were some really great little quick handles he was giving. So, yeah, I I think he'll be the one who will go out, though.
0: He certainly looked cactus by the end of the game. It shows you what a step up in in pace it is at, at the moment with the game style that we're playing. Um, he was knackered.
2: <laughs> but he always runs up, himself ragged.
0: I started off the week thinking there'd be a couple
1: of changes, but I've actually, as the as the week's gone on, I've, I think probably just because I'm barracking, but I, I just um, I've got a funny feeling there might only be the one change. I think Riley Knight might come straight back out for Tom Lynch. I think that might be it.
0: Yeah, and what's the word on uh, Crouch, Nicky? It's a couple of weeks now on that hamstring.
2: Yeah, but they said only two to three. So I think it's still fairly minor and they, the way Bode worded it in the injury report was that we are always going to be very conservative with Brad. Mm. So that they're very aware of him coming back from a year off, these little niggles are going to happen. And the inside word that we've had from a couple of posters who we do know has very good inside word, they said it's a minor. It's not anything serious. It's just they're just going to take it kind of nice and easy in that respect. And you've got to give some credit to our um, fitness and rehab staff because other teams are falling all over like nine pins. And look at our depth list.
0: Uh, Would you touch wood right now? Please? (laughs) Yes, I
2: know. I am. (laughs) But you can't. The, the, you,
0: you can't do I just did. Like I
1: just did. God. <laughs> I did as well.
2: But
0: yeah, I'm worried about you don't don't touching the with the though, Pete, because you're in a hotel room by yourself. So that could mean a number of things.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> good thing you've already marked it as explicit. But even even stop it. But even through like the Nab Cup, we still were having quite a good run in terms of of how we're going to um get players in what's what i'm interested in is <laughs> with the players we've got coming in
4: Focus, who are going to,
2: <laughs> like hunter and keith and um ah oh, hampton are all going to be available they if we have no other real injuries fingers crossed touchwood somebody's going to have to miss out because they don't fit into the SINFL team.
3: Well, that's a good problem to have, though. I mean, that's, that's what we've been striving to have, right, to, to be able to um, have the ability to wait out injuries maybe a little bit longer than you would ordinarily need to. So it's, it's a luxury that Brad can do that. And, and I think that's, you know, to be a top-level team, you want to have those problems.
0: Yeah, and it's not easy when you're only carrying a squad of forty two um, or however many it is. How many is it? Forty two, something like that. Um, you know, particularly uh, over over the course of a long season, uh, American Crow. I mean, you guys have rosters of what four, five thousand. Um yes. So um, you know, it's right. uh, it's a juggling act.
3: It, it is, but it's a nice problem to have. And, and if our biggest issue is we've got so many decent players, both in form and, and youngsters, coming up from the SANFL. that's a heck of a problem to have.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think in a way, talking about the injuries, we can probably touch on a, a little bit about that horrible injury to Bob Murphy. I mean, realistically, I don't like the Bulldogs, mostly because of the twat who's in charge, and... But uh, Bob is just universally loved across the entire AFL, and and that was horrible to to hear the news. Um, and the other thing is of course Schultz is now out for Port. Yeah, with a, a he's gone in for back surgery.
0: Yeah, that could be that could be career ending for him.
2: Oh, uh, now. Donkey, Magoo, and also I'm going to call him Frank instead of doing the national tiles because my voice is a bit croaky and I'm not even going to attempt to do it.
4: Hello. Um,
2: there we go. Talking about Jenkins and the running back to goal, and Donkey's actually pointed out with Jenkins brushing off the tackler in round one and turning on the pace, I've noticed him using his body an awful lot more than what we've seen previously, and you should be quite pleased with that, Phoenix.
0: Uh, talk about touching wood. you got no idea, Nicky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh,
2: how, how, how was that little touchdown to Eddie, the the little calm oh, down?
0: Sorry, you threw me for a moment there. Uh, yeah, he's. um. I think they look a little more organised uh, up forward this year. I think they all have specific roles to play, and it does look. The only thing that bothers me about the whole forward set up, and it's. I don't know whether it's forward line or midfield, but our centre clearances really piss me off because we're just doing that bombing into the uh, forward 50, which is fine, except all our blokes seem to be out of position when we do it. Um, and I wouldn't like to see us get to a a, a point where we're, we almost don't care about centre clearances because we're so focused and successful on, on getting the rebounds off half-back. I think that needs some work. We need uh, Tex yeah. and, and, and Josh to be a little bit stronger when we get the ball through the center clearance uh, because it's just bouncing straight back out again at the moment.
2: I've got to say though, my favorite thing though, is when they ban the camera um, to our forward line, just before a center bounces, you always see Eddie's always counting (laughs) players with his little point fingers and some other players have started doing it. It's like, no, 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 that's Eddie's job. Eddie does the pointy (laughs) finger and he counts the people.
1: (laughs) A couple of other points I just wanted to raise about the game was I was really impressed with Jared Lyon's game coming in and, Finally got to have a really decent crack of, uh, of playing the position where he belongs, uh, and that yeah. is uh, in and around the midfield, drifting forward a little bit. Um, so good on him. I, I think that he's a really, really resilient character to have, you know, gone through all of the disappointment that he obviously has over the last few years. To come in, grab his chance, 21 possessions, two goals, I, I thought he was brilliant. So good on him, and I, I hope he stays. Uh, and the other one was uh, Kyle Cheney getting three uh, three coaches votes. Good on him as well. So that should shore up his position for another couple of weeks, I'd imagine.
2: He still doesn't shut up the haters on the board. No, no of course not.
4: I never liked, does.
0: I like Kyle, but I thought he was a yeah. little bit um, at times. He um, he let the ball get behind him a little bit um, on sat on the weekend, and I think. For mine, it was probably his weakest game, even though he obviously did it, played a good role. Um, Mitch McGovern's another one that lets the ball get behind him a bit. Um, he let Rance a couple of times push him uh, um, through the contest, and, and uh, he needs to strengthen that up. But uh, certainly Jared Lyons, Pete, uh, with Sydney coming up this week uh, in a game where I reckon it's going to be a midfield battle, uh, very timely, I think he's going to be a, a vital cog this weekend.
2: And if anybody wants to know what it was like against Sydney, you just have to go back and watch those last two minutes of what we're going to call the Riley game at the SCG. Lions had come on as a sub and that move uh, move forward. He was integral to that. But also when they were trying to bring it um, forward and them to get the run on – he put a little hand in, he got a touch that kind of knocked it out, that wasted a bit of time. And he, even though we know he doesn't have great speed, but he has been working on that, he then put some pressure on, which affected that kick out to the, the side to Jetta, which allowed Walker to run him down. So it's once again, it's those pressure acts that we know he can do. And a few people on the board said that, oh yeah, he was getting run down on the weekend because he's slow. Yeah, they caught him, but that was after he'd kicked it.
1: Yeah, spot on. He a he, couple of times that happened, and uh, he still got a very, very effective kick away. One was to uh, a lovely pass to to Betts and the other one, uh, yeah. um, Jenkins, in the goal square. So he got the ball away. Um, no, nah, his clearance work was good. He, a yep. uh, bit of smart you know, goal sense as well. And I was just really – to be honest, I was just really happy for him because he's just yeah. – uh, he must have had a lot of disappointment. over, the, And, he, you know, he's really, really stuck with it. And I always admire people that have that kind of resilience.
2: What yep. I oh, love was great. finding out that he'd actually gone and worked with a sprint coach in Melbourne over the summer to help him. He knows he doesn't have great pace, but even if he could improve just that little bit, that's what he's gone to do, you know, off his own bat, more credit to the guy.
3: Well, and it speaks well to the culture that's being built into the team because if players are going above and beyond, you know, that that probably is is, is something that's set from the leadership on down, so good on the club that that they are acquiring players that that want to do that and that are willing to go that extra step.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to be important. Um, Obviously, he's the like-for-like replacement for Brad and um, given that we're managing Brad, you know, particularly early in the season, it's important to have lines up and running and the fact that he can step in and do a job the way he did on the weekend. um, Hopefully... Um, as Brad comes on board a little bit more regularly, uh, we can still find a, a spot for Jared in the rotation.
2: and I think we also need to talk about a certain Matt Crouch. Go ahead he's still is I think if either of you guys got the stats that I think per possession time on ground possessions he's leading the AFL.
0: It was 70%, I think, from memory on ground and 28 posies on the weekend. The only thing I didn't like about Matt's posse count was a a weighting towards handballs, but I guess that's his strength, isn't it?
2: It is, but we know that he's actually neatened up his kick quite nicely, and I think the way the game was going on Eddie had, that there were going to be a few more handballs.
0: Yeah. My my worry... um, with Matt is that he goes to handball too quickly. It's his first uh, first, first instinct. instinct, and he does have a neat kick. Um, and I think he needs he needs to, particularly with our game plan. What, what we're trying to do is is spread very quickly and um, kicking kicking wide to the wings uh, to take advantage of the seed and and Smithers and whatnot. He needs to be looking wide instead of giving that quick give into some. I, I noticed a couple of times he gave to. Uh, Players who were a bit under the pump, so he just needs to watch that a bit.
2: And I think that the good thing about this is that we can actually see. Okay, we've still got an issue with the centre clearances and the centre setup and our forward line. We've still got a bit of an issue with bringing things through. The defence can still tighten things up a bit. Um, but we're winning.
0: Yeah, Pete, I'd be interested in your insight. Here, because my major concern, and I I probably wasn't as bullish as some about our win on the weekend, uh, and my biggest concern is the ease with which teams are getting through our our, um, structure on transition. I'm not sure whether it's intended that we fall back um, and regroup across halfback, but we're letting in a lot of inside 50s at the moment, and uh, teams are kicking scores against us still. Um, What do you reckon? Well, I,
1: I and I can really only go by the port game because I, I find it so so hard with TV you, to really sort of have a good look at what's going on. You really just get caught watching the ball. Um, and from what I could see, obviously our, you know, it's it's not your first preference. Your first preference is 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 a contest to obviously win the ball, and it's it can never ever be plan A to concede territory and so I would never imagine that that would be plan a you, you know you, you the first thing you want to do is you want you know tomo crouch you know win the ball get it going forward our way yeah but plan but you know if we fail to do that and i think that we're more likely to fail to do that now than we have been in previous years because we're not deploying the resources that we're used to and so desperate to win a contest and so the plan b is to um is that the ball will will get going forward, and we're we'll talking it um, with team defence away from the contest. That necessarily means that you know we're we're giving up more uh, stoppage, we're giving up more clearances, and, and and because if you look at the statistics, we uh we, you know we we are giving away um, a lot of uh, clearances, and I think that um, certainly against Port, um, and I think it was the same against North. I've got a funny feeling it might have been the same. I can't. I, I haven't had a close look, but we are getting beaten in most key statistics like you know centre breaks, clearances, and contested ball. We're getting beaten in all those stats, and I think that what what that's doing is we're, we're then launching off half back, and um, that's what I saw against Port, and that means that we you know. We're necessarily getting the ball in, in you know in dangerous territory, and it's not always going to work. And, and there are going to be yeah. I mean, you look at Port. I mean, they scored ten goals, twenty one.
4: Yeah, you know, they had
1: thirty one scoring shots, but a lot of them were shit scoring shots. Excuse my language.
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, no, uh, that that ship sailed a long, long time ago, Pete. <laughs>
1: and I never, I never, um, I, I never, you know, the game on Saturday. I mean, the commentators were trying to you know pump it up because you know that's just what they're paid to do. We were fifty three points up in the last quarter. I mean, that game yeah. was gone. There's no way that, you know, there's no way that even, you know, banging on a few goals at the end, they're just junk-time goals. They were never going to get, you know, anywhere near winning the game. So I think that, for me, it, it is just a case of strap yourself in. We are going to get scored against um, because we are looking to, you know, we're, we're not, you know, desperately trying to um, to win the contest. Um, and I, I, if you remember the, the interview with with Dave McKay, you know, he conceded that um, that they really are trying to balance that area and there was a concession that we had been too inside focused. Um, and so that coming from a player tells me that, you know, um, we are, you know, we're genuinely looking to uh, to get better at, at balancing our, our inside-outside. And so we are going to get scored against because we are playing a lot of the game. And, Phoenix, you saw that graph that you you put up yourself. We're playing a lot of the game between our defensive 50 and, and, and sort oh, of the yeah. back of the
0: square area. Yep, yep. That's the... Uh... That's the hot zone uh, teams like Hawthorne worry me because of their di- disposal efficiency uh, the amount of scoring shots that we're getting off turnovers at the moment um, I don't expect Hawthorne for example to turn the ball over nearly as much if, if I was um, if I was coaching against the crows at the moment um, I'd be looking very much to play a possession game um, and do exactly what Hawthorne do so well and they've they've' uh, West Coast a couple of times by doing it. They just make the ground very, very small. Um, So Hawthorne is going to be a very interesting test for us just because the opposing game styles um, will really... It'll it'll be a game of strategy whereas the Swans game will be very much, I think, one uh, uh, through the middle of the ground.
2: I think we might actually see a slightly different game plan against Hawthorne because we did see a couple of different ones... During the NAB game. So I know Pike's got, by the look of it, a couple of things up his sleeve.
0: Whether he goes early with that or um, keeps it up his sleeve, who knows? But uh, it will be interesting.
2: And the other thing I think you need to consider in that discussion about teams scoring against us is that most of that port run on happened in the last quarter, the game was over. It was almost like, can you just, you know, mercy rule, blow the siren. We don't really care anymore. Um, and the same thing kind of with the Richmond one. Oh. Was it that's when a, they, they did, they they got a bit more run on during during the game. I do concede Richmond did. It yeah, wasn't as bad burnt. as Port. But the Port the Port one, most of that was in junk time. It yeah. didn't matter anymore.
0: R- Richmond burnt the ball. Uh, they could have put a lot more pressure on us at various stages during the game when they had momentum. Um, and they either miss shots that they shouldn't have missed or they turn the ball over when they had a um, uh, a clear uh, transition going um, it, it could have been a tighter contest um, against Richmond Oh uh, let's see now
1: is that is that part of is that us is that the pressure on? That, that's the pressure on the ball carrier is they getting much I more pressure and up in in faces and so it's affecting it's affecting disposal efficiency on the other side and I wonder um, how we'll go with that against Hawthorne. because as you say, Phoenix, their disposal is, is first class, of course. But are we going to be able to um, just bring something a little bit different than what we bought in the semi-final, which is just to hack the ball out of the middle so that they get it in space and, um, and they're yep. allowed to set up? I, I think that yep. will be far more in their faces this time.
3: Yeah, but- and, and I think I, I think it'll be important to you know. I, I understand that they're that Pike might change up a thing or two. But I, I think we got to play our game, and even against Hawthorne, I'd like to see him try. I mean, it's still early in the season, and and I think Peter hit on it. it. It'll be interesting to see if it's actually our style of play that's causing these issues for these other teams.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point, American Crow. I reckon that uh, it, it'll be good to test ourselves against uh, a team like Hawthorne rather than you know, move away from what's been working with us to test, test the system and, and see where it breaks.
4: Right, I mean,
3: I, I, I come from the philosophy where you want the other team to have to change how they approach you. You don't want to be, the, in my opinion, it's never a good thing when you're the team that, that changes what you do. If it's not good enough to beat Hawthorne, then, then we know. I mean, early in the season we know and we still have time to, to work those things out before finals play comes in. But, you know, from my perspective, I always want the other team to worry about what the heck I'm doing and not the other way around.
2: Yeah, make them chase you. Exactly. And on the, on that point about the Richmond making the mistakes, you could actually see them yelling at each other and getting frustrated, and that actually reminded me of that Essendon game last year where you could just see the Essendon players turning on each other because they just didn't know what to do.
1: Yeah. Um. Oh, culture with Richmond. I mean, look at, uh, I can't remember, it would have been the third quarter, um, Connor Menager, young player, makes a play on the outer side, half forward uh, Mm. flank, runs through 50, has a shot for goal and misses. Now, the experienced Jack Rewalt, now does he go over and say, don't worry about that one, son. Just make sure you kick the next one. Well yeah, done for it making this No way. Gives him an absolute spray for not passing off to Jackie. Well, that, and, and that's why that's why that team will never, ever win a flag.
3: Yeah, precisely. Well, and you, you, you hit on it. It's a culture thing, and, and, and hopefully the culture that we're building is distinctly different from that.
2: And apparently on AFL 360... Um, tonight, which Jack Rewalt was on, he pulled out that, Oh, we're all we we're, we're quite an inexperienced team. There's a small problem with that, Jack. The Crows were a more inexperienced
0: team. Well, that's it, and no one's picked up on that. I, I there's been that that's been the standard line coming out of Richmond, and I've heard discussions about it, and no one has picked up the fact that uh, age and and uh, games played, experience, we were just as uh, inexperienced. and I, I, it, Damien Hardwick, I think, is in uh, job-saving mode at the moment. To come out and say what he did in his press conference um, really surprised me. And if I was a Richmond supporter, I'd, I would have been tearing down the walls after hearing him speak at the, at the presser. Oh,
2: don't worry. Somebody well, actually on. put up on Twitter a video of them burning their Richmond Guernsey
4: yeah, we had.
1: That. I mean, I think I, I. think I posted. We we had seven players under thirty games, and Jared, yeah. and the eighth, Jared Lyons played
4: thirty
0: five. Yep, I think there is so many more issues that Hardwick should be worrying about, and what we touched on earlier about their 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 use of the ball to have to have bloats having high thirty games and really having little impact on the game. Um, you know, to have leadership issues at the club that have been going on for three or four years, to have a game plan that clearly isn't effective, uh, to be focusing on the age profile, and and you know talking about one step back for a couple of steps forward, to me that's the biggest cop out. And if I was a Richmond supporter, I'd be ropeable. Yeah.
4: So
2: yeah, I, it's just I keep coming back to that whole thing of what the observation my dad made about hard work is that he can coach to beat another team, but when he has to actually come up with his own game plan, he can't. And they wouldn't have seen enough of us really to come up with something to really combat us because we're still a bit of an unknown.
0: Yeah, but that, I mean, despite their, you know, inexperience on the fringes, their core group of players has been together for a while now and their game plan should have been evolving for the last four or five years. And yet they just, he, he, it looks like an old game plan. Hardwick yeah. has not improved that game plan at all. And, you know, what's, uh, what's the saying about keeping on doing the same thing over and over again?
2: Yeah, and... As much as they hated the media going about Cochin about his leadership, I don't think Cochin really is that great a leader. He's no, a good he's player. But where's the rest of the leadership group coming along to help him out either? Jake Lever today when he was talking about um, the leaders on the ground and he named – this is – a lot of people are going to hate this, but he talked about VB and Talia. But he's saying – that they're in the leadership group, and we can we can have them down back. Um, so if you actually look at where our leadership group is spread across, that we've kind of got somebody on every line that's covering and 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 doing, you know, help helping everybody get through. And Talia, I mean, even though he said it, I'm 24 and I'm directing a back line. But he's doing it so well.
3: Well, that's all right. He, he, he's able to do it. So that's that's not a bad thing.
4: Right.
2: And then we've got Lever waiting in the sidelines. I mean, that guy literally, I think most people can he's probably our next captain after Tex.
0: Well, he's certainly uh, he's certainly in the queue. Uh, to, to have a bloke like Lever down back and then to have a, a, a young gun like Miller, um, I was saying to Hank on Sunday, I, I just can't wait for him to be 23 and and you know, in charge of our midfield. Can you imagine how exciting that's going to be?
2: I mean, he's got the confidence now. Um, We did have the lovely little Carlton troll who was on the board who was trying to to get us to say that we're going to be a bit crap, etc. And the thing is, though, that he was saying, oh, yeah, I think Miller needs to be rested. What people don't understand is he played pretty much the entire, most of the SNFL last year. Um, Pete, are you aware how many games it was he played? I thought it was most of the season he actually played in the seniors for centrals. I think and that's he only not missed a, three. Only, not he, a, not
1: a, funnily enough, he only missed, as you probably know, Nick, he only missed, I think, games because he had that um, heart surgery. Yeah. Yep.
2: And the centrals well, well, team is, is not an easy one to break into.
1: I'm not sure if it was actually heart surgery, but I, I can't remember now. But I know that he had a heart condition that needed some um, treatment
2: uh, of some some description. It's wolf, um, yeah. wolf something syndrome, which a regular means heartbeat it, or something. No, he has got two electrical pathways going into his heart, therefore it can create an issue. So they had to actually do actual heart surgery, um, and stop one of those pathways. He then played the next week.
0: It's just you'd be dark yeah, if so they flicked the p- wrong switch, wouldn't you? Donkey it- <laughs> the
4: He's very Tigers. developed
1: in terms of his fitness.
4: I have,
2: to, I have to say this one. Donkey Magoo in the chat. Tigers could do with some heart surgery. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, nice call. I, I reckon uh, probably two players I, I'd like your thoughts on. We, me and Hank talked about it briefly on Sunday, but uh, Source and Tex. Tex is doing his <laughs> role. My right. question is is is
3: is something wrong with Tex? I mean, I know there was some speculation about a foot injury. Do we know if that's accurate?
2: It's been sore. Um they did put it in a moon boot the first after the North Melbourne game, but Eddie had his a hard deck. Um so they only had it on for I think the one the one day or so that he that he had to wear it. So I think it was just more a, a bit of a pr- precaution to Recover from it. He seemed to be moving quite fine um, at the game when he had to to go. I think he did. Um, source is the interesting one. I, I, as you said on on the cast on Sunday night, Phoenix. His work around the ground was actually um, quite good.
0: Yeah, it was excellent.
2: But yeah, there's there's some issue going on in the centre circle. There's... Well, he
0: looks like bloody Matthew Clark rucking, and that really shits me because he's not <laughs> Matthew Clark. I mean, Clark used to do that. He used to run in, take take the guys, run, um, you know, protect the drop zone and and palm away. Well, you can't ruck like that anymore. And, and Saucy's doing that, and he, he's he's getting ha- hammered by sea graders.
2: I think there's been some very conscious effort on. Other teams to stop him in the centre centre bounce, and I know they've been quite physical, a lot more physical on him. Port definitely were um, the week before, so I wonder whether there was a, something a bit carrying over from that. He he himself knows that he likes to ruck a lot, and he doesn't like having breaks. I think he likes that continuity and the flow, but I do wonder whether we need to be um arresting him a bit more. JJ actually wasn't too bad.
0: Mm. The Source was getting beaten a, a little bit of, um in the uh around the ground stoppages as well, uh, which is obviously a little bit more fifty-fifty. I I'd just like to to see him uh jump uh a little bit a little bit more confidently. He seems to be lacking confidence, seems to be very uh, very conscious of body contact. Um, and the comment that I'd make about Tex is, uh, to me, looks heavy. And to me, he's still very concerned about uh, landing when he goes up for a mark. He'll go up one-handed quite regularly, and he's uh, almost looking down before he's uh, before the ball's got there.
2: But he's still being effective.
0: Uh, he's doing his job. You'd just like to see yeah. him uh, a little bit more dynamic. I think is the word we used.
1: I think all that's some very very nice pussyfooting around the fact that neither of them are fit. Yeah, um,
0: he'll, neither of them are playing at mate. maximum
1: capacity, and um, we're obviously making a decision. Well, the coaching staff are obviously making a decision to um, to allow them to play through it, so they must be happy enough. Um, and still, great players, so you'll still get significant output, but you, they're not fit.
0: No. Yeah.
4: Well,
0: Texas carrying there's something, there's something, and I think I think. Uh, a C was right, I think there's a, there's a foot injury of some sort. Um, I don't know about source. I, I think there's a bit of a confidence issue with source, and I think he is a confidence player.
2: And it could be that they're leaving him out there, maybe that, so he can just work through it, because we've seen him do that before, that sometimes he has a bit of down patches and, and then he'll pull himself up because he is such a great competitor.
0: Uh, when, when do we play the Bulldogs? What round?
2: Is it after Hawthorne? Hang on. It's
0: about six round or seven,
1: I think. seven, I think it
0: is. Yeah, if Tex isn't right by then, you'd love to see him uh, give him a rest and bring uh, Menzo in for that week, given that the have are probably the team that we can afford to run a little bit shorter. Um, and uh, men should be... Fit enough by then to, to give us 60 or 70 minutes up forward?
2: Yes, yeah, see, we play. So we've got Swans, Hawks, we play the Dockers back here, which should be interesting. And then we play the Bullies that Eddie had.
1: Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, Source would want to get his confidence back reasonably quickly because I'll tell you what, there's a young man running around in our reserves at the moment who is clearly the best ruckman in the state. Um, he is outstanding, Riley O'Brien. Outstanding.
2: He's one of my favourites.
1: I was at the game on. I was at the game on Sunday at Woodville, yep. and uh, and he was just uh, yeah. He was a cut above.
2: He he's very similar to Jacobs, though, isn't he? In the way he rucks and moves.
1: Oh, and so far he's a he's a dinosaur. <laughs>
2: but, <laughs> but. You, you kind of see he's the, he's that big solid body, but he can still, he still thinks he's a midfielder, which Source does as well, because Source's nickname within the club is actually Tall Mid.
4: Well, yeah, they well, do, he, um.
0: They go through Source
4: agility.
2: quite a bit.
0: Hey? Sorry, Peter. They do go through Source quite a bit. I noticed that where he puts himself after the Rut contest is very much uh, the back end of the, the, uh, the scrimmage, if you like, and he is their outlet.
1: And on behalf of all the, I should just say, on behalf of all the punters who uh, who backed Adelaide for, uh, to win by over 39, uh, a very, very big thanks to Source, who dropped the <laughs> easiest mark in the world no, by himself it to in win. the centre of the ground and cost a goal with five seconds to play. Which brought the margin back <laughs> under thirty nine points. No, who
2: kicked it to him? Who kicked it too high? How could he kick anything seven four
0: five?
2: He, I'm sorry, but he'd been in that contest before where they'd actually pulled his elbow back, so oh, he geez. actually he couldn't lift his arms up. It was actually he had one hand up and he couldn't reach it.
1: I just sometimes it was wonder where the players, I just I do sometimes wonder where the players' heads are at and where their awareness is at. When they can look up and see a margin is at that point where a lot of people are going to be punting. But
0: especially, they- especially if mums put a lazy ten on on forty plus, and you know you no, drop them out, the mark. cost, you know, families
2: know. Yeah, families aren't allowed to.
0: No, it, that wouldn't be hard to get around. I wouldn't have thought.
2: It'll, it'll have to be your mates instead.
0: Yeah. But you're right, Pete. You do wonder, don't you? Like, because it's they're fairly, um, you know, the, those those score ranges now are pretty much entrenched, and so you recognise them when you're at that point, don't you?
1: Look, it almost looks to me as though the players just don't even care about the punters. Oh well, they wouldn't, would they? Good. <laughs> <laughs> as if they would. <laughs>
2: I I think that's one of the worst things is all the ads and, like, you have the official betting partner of the AFL. Sorry, no. Should not have an official betting partner. Uh, That annoys me.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, um. (laughs) On that (laughs) note. (laughs) There you go, that's.
2: That's Nikki's num nut of the week. Uh,
0: num nut of the week, yeah. yeah. For the Welcome ASL back
2: for having an official um, betting partner. Either that, or it's Damien Hardwork, or is it Ross Lyons?
0: <laughs> oh shit! I don't know. That's a that's a big trifecta there. we <laughs> oh, we got to say, um, good to see uh, an ex Crow's son making the Olympic team too. Uh, oh Kyle yeah. Chalmers.
2: And he he now has the world junior record.
0: There you go. Looks strong too.
2: He's a big boy.
0: Isn't he, isn't he a big boy? Jesus,
2: I was like, you see him next to a uh, McAvoy, and he's like, the dude's like half the size of you.
0: Yeah, that was a good swim last night. He he um, he had it all over. Mag- he didn't look threatened by Magnuson at all.
2: No, and he's been winning. Um, I think the junior, the world junior stuff. The last one he won both the fifty and the hundred, so he's looking nice and strong. So we're we're coming for you, AC.
1: Although I um, yeah sorry, right. I, I was just going to say I have heard that um, there may be an investigation underway. I think the um, the son of Brett Chalmers is. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that they've um, they've found out that uh, he's issued a letter to the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Olympic Committee saying that he'll only swim in certain events, and so I think they've, they've they've considered there could be some event tampering going on, and um, and so he's currently under investigation for sending in letters.
2: Oh, that was so funny when that happened.
0: <laughs> Would you know about that, AC uh, Brett Chalmers? Do you remember him?
3: I, of course, of course I do. I, I did not know his son was swimming though.
2: Yeah, so he's only seventeen, and he's made the Australian team to go to Rio for the hundred meter final. The hundred meter—that's
3: great. That's a you know that's my son is just involved in the junior aspect of swimming, and having sat through many a meet over the last uh, six months, that's you know that those guys are in great shape, and they do you know to to be able to to compete at the level he's competing at—that's an amazing. Amazing accomplishment!
2: Yeah, so he did it. What is it? Um, I'm trying to remember what his his time was. Was his the 48.03? That's-
4: yeah,
0: I think so. He just he just missed out on breaking I 48. Even, I
2: can't even do 50 meters in that time.
0: I can't even run 50 meters in that time. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't do running. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Boki, uh, the the charges got dropped, or no case or insufficient evidence as well, which was interesting. There's been a bit of a uh, bit of kerfuffle about that in the Eastern States media as well.
2: Oh, I did Essendon and us.
0: guys. We're um,
1: starting to come towards the end of what's been a very, very entertaining, um, certainly for me anyway, to, uh, to have American crow on the, on the program, very entertaining hour and a bit. Um, so before we, uh, we sign off, I thought maybe we'd uh, just um, refer a couple of questions back to AC. And, mate, I just wondered um, what, uh, what chances you have in the future of ever getting to a Crows game.
3: Well, it, it is on the uh, to-do list. Uh, what I wanted to do is wait till my son was a little bit older so he would appreciate more of the trip. Because obviously, aside from going to a couple Crows games, we'd like to also visit other parts of your country. So um, probably in the next two three years, I think is when uh, I'm earmarked to go, and it works out nice for me because his summer uh, holiday from school works out to to the middle of the crow season, so that 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 will work out well. But yes, in the next two to three years.
2: And just be prepared that our idea of winter is slightly different to your idea of winter.
3: Well, right. It's funny because posters will say, "Well, you know, you got it's cold, it's this, this and that," and and I look at the temperatures uh, when when the game you know, in, in June and July, and we'd be in shorts and deep in that kind of weather. So it, it won't bother. We don't do snow. No
2: snowing here.
3: It, it's snowing where? There?
2: No, no, it doesn't do that.
3: No, right. That's what I'm saying. It'll be nice and warm compared to what we're used to.
0: Um, I'm also interested, just as we wrap up, um, AC, how how do you find the engagement, if any, um, being an international Adelaide Football Club member? Have you uh, had much interaction with the club itself?
3: Yeah, actually, it's funny that you mention that. as everyone's aware, you used to be able to count as a an official member of the AFL. We're talking AFL numbers, not club numbers you used to be able to count. If you had the global membership, which I always had. And then last summer, they decided or last, last year, my, my last summer, they decided to change that. So I actually picked up tickets. Uh, I actually have tickets to the, to the Adelaide Oval and, um, I, shout out to Dogs105. He he put me in touch with some people that uh, put them to good use. So we actually, my my contact with the team has been amazing. I mean, they were easy to work with and, and got, uh, the tickets are going to where they need to go and there's no issues. I, I Honestly, they've treated me better than the Browns have treated me. And my family has been season ticket holders, which is membership holders, for the Browns for three generations, and and quite honestly, the crows have treated me better over the last year
0: uh, because so, I've had
3: to be more more involved with them. So, so,
2: just out of a quick interest, so how many home games do you get for the Cleveland Browns, and what's the average price for a season ticket?
4: <laughs> well,
3: you, you must have saw I just got my bill. Um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it costs it costs my seats are at and. and uh, I guess it would be hard. How do I want to explain this? It would be uh, around the 50-meter line for at, at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, about 14 rows up would be the equivalent of where my Browns, my brown seats are.
0: So you're on and about the 30-yard line, I see. Well,
3: I, I guess then I, I'm a little off. Probably the 15-20-yard the line, so maybe okay. a little shorter than the 50-meter line. Um and those seats cost nineteen hundred bucks for the year. Two two seats. Nineteen hundred US dollars. Well that, that you gives get, you a different how difference. How many games? You get eight home eight regular season home games and two preseason games, which is the same thing as the NAB.
2: So that's ten. We have eleven and I think probably the highest price ones of ours are around the five, six hundred dollar mark.
1: Yeah.
4: Correct. Sorry, what was
1: that cost? I just missed that.
3: For which? My seats?
1: Yeah, for your seats, mate.
3: Yeah, for for the NFL it cost me nineteen hundred bucks a year for two seats for ten games. Jeez.
0: Yep.
2: Ridiculous. No wonder he follows us.
0: (laughs) See so you could basically you could basically tear up your membership because I mean, let let's face it, that's a that's an exercise (laughs) of futility anyway. And that'll probably probably pay for a ticket uh, on the plane down here
3: you you're exactly right and i not ironically enough um i've sold my tickets all of them except for two games this year in anticipation of doing exactly that so there I, you go. I, i'm way ahead of you mate absolutely there you go
2: we've got a
3: all smart right. one
1: we probably probably should wrap it up there uh it's been a really really interesting night and um AC, can't thank you enough uh, for being part of the show from all the way over there in Cleveland. Um, the wonders of the internet uh, never cease to amaze me, that's for sure.
3: Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And thank everybody for making me feel so welcome from the day I came on the board. I, I really appreciate it. Even those that, that have disagreed with me, it's all right. That's why we're here. So, No, well, it's I've...
1: been brilliant to have you along. Nikki and Phoenix, uh, as always, thanks very much for uh, for your contributions tonight, in particular, Phoenix, just on your technical stuff. Uh, as always, appreciate all the work that you do.
0: Uh, it's all good fun, mate.
4: <laughs>
2: Thanks, Peter.
1: Thanks, guys. Thanks very much, everyone out there, for listening to Tuesday Night Live. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, don't forget, Thursday uh, pre or sorry, preview game. Um, Scorpus will be running that, so uh, tuning into that. We'll look forward to catching you next Tuesday. Cheers now.
0: Good night, guys. Bye. It's a bit messy. Thanks, guys. Still
2: says live. Thanks, oh, guys. Thank okay. you.